Good morning. It's good to see you today. I wonder how is your weekend going? I want you to think about how you spent your day yesterday. Now, in our house, it was a fun day to play. We're in the middle of birthday season where three of my four kids uh, have birthdays in about a six-week span. So uh, we did some celebrating yesterday because my mom and dad are here, and I'm so happy to have them here for worship today as well. And we had fun yesterday, didn't we, Will? We played some games, and we had some cake and a few presents. It was a fun day together. I wonder, how did you spend your Saturday yesterday? Think about uh, maybe you had a to-do list and you were ticking some things off of the list yesterday. Uh, Maybe think about some of the meals that you ate or uh, maybe you had some good couch time to just rest and relax. Maybe you got a nap in. Maybe it was a day of work. Maybe you were working all day yesterday. Uh, Maybe it was a a time to get some of those projects done or uh, uh, maybe do some of the shoveling. There was a lot of shoveling this week, right? Maybe you still had some left yesterday or you were with your kids for different activities. I want you to think about everything that you did yesterday and think about this. What percentage of what you did yesterday was spiritual and what percentage was secular? Think about that for just a moment. We kind of think about how we categorize some of that behavior in our lives. Maybe we think about the spiritual moments when we pause and pray before we eat, or maybe some time uh, spending uh, reading our Bibles, or maybe it will count if we had some Christian radio playing in the background uh, of those chores that we were doing. Maybe that will count as spiritual. Well, let's think about how we divide things between sacred and Uh, secular in our lives. Some call this the problem of dualism, which is wrongly dividing something that should not be divided. But it's it's common for us to think about that. In Greco-Roman thought, uh, they taught that the world is divided into two competing domains. There's the sacred, the spiritual domain, and then there's the secular or the material uh, domain. And that kind of worldview assumes that the spiritual is the higher realm and that the secular or the material world is lacking deep meaning. And if you think about that, that really uh, has influenced how we think about our lives. Perhaps how we think about our vocation or how we think about the time that we spend in different activities or uh, how we order our lives. We subconsciously make distinctions between spiritual parts of our lives and everything else. But when we study how Jesus teaches us, we discover that's not how Jesus taught about things. In fact, Jesus gave us this vision. Jesus talked about what it is to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Doesn't that sound like everything you got, right? All in. This is what Jesus is saying. The whole of who we are, every part of ourselves. Because we can't follow Jesus half-heartedly. Following Jesus is an all-in decision. It requires every part of our being. And that means the whole of our lives is spiritual. 
Now, I want you to think about this idea with me for a moment. Here's another angle for us to think about this. We've tried to incorporate this very concept in how we articulate our identity and mission as a church. Now, we often talk about the encounters with Jesus, uh, that, that we're together encountering him. We talk about that all the time. And how have we visually represented what it is to encounter Jesus? Well, if you've looked at our logo, you see that we have a map of our city right at the center. Notice that. Do you know that is a theological statement right there? It is. It means that we do not consider this sanctuary the exclusive place where you can encounter Jesus. <laughs> do you know that? Now, let me be clear. I do hope and pray that every time you come into this space that you do encounter Jesus. I hope that you do. And we know that we can encounter Jesus everywhere we go because this is who our God is and how he works. And sometimes we use this phrase, all of life is packed with potential to encounter Jesus. That's why we have a map of our city. Everywhere we go, every person that we encounter, it's an opportunity to encounter Jesus. We're trying to live eyes wide open to see him working and, and notice him working all around us. This is the invitation that we find in Scripture, as it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You see, when we read the Scripture, we have this idea that, that our everyday, ordinary lives, it's all spiritual. This is what the scripture is telling us. And Jesus talked about this dynamic a lot. And Jesus did so. He drove this home by talking to us and making the point about things in a deeply personal way. And so Jesus talked a lot about money. Whew, here we go, right? I just say the word Money. This is a uh, top of the list of things that is personal. This is a private subject. Uh, this is a mind your own business kind of subject, right? That's why Jesus brings it up. <laughs> Have you noticed? This is what Jesus does. He goes into these areas, these kinds of subjects, and he brings them up. Our text today, um, the words of Jesus, we find them within the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that passage of Scripture in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we find uh, throughout that passage that Jesus is uh, uh, speaking about things in, in very direct ways. He's challenging practices and paradigms, and he's making it clear that following Jesus requires whole life engagement. So he talks about some deeply personal subject, and money is one of them. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So as we look at these words of Jesus, let's start right there with that very last statement. You cannot serve both God and money. And right there is the tension that we feel. We want money. And we want God. Can we have both? Yes, we can. But only one can be the master of our lives. According to the theologian Paul Tillich, everyone is religious because everyone has something of ultimate concern. So Jesus is asking us to consider what is the thing of ultimate concern in our lives? This is an important question for us. In his book, uh, What If Jesus Was Serious?, Author Sky Jathani provides a, he calls it a visual guide to the teachings of Jesus that we love to ignore. <laughs> this is a great read. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, he gives some reflections and a whole bunch of doodles to represent some of the teaching of Jesus. Uh, and he has an illustration for this very passage that we read today. And it looks like this. Spin the wheel of ultimate concern. What a good visual this is. We all have things of ultimate concern for us. Things that drive us, things that motivate us, things that shape our decisions, things that we daydream about, things that we chase with our lives. You see the quote in the margin there from uh, pastor and author Tim Keller, an idol is usually a good thing that we make ultimate. So today, I want you to consider what drives your life. What do you treasure above all else? And remember, these can be good things in our lives. Even when we talk about money, let's make it very clear. Money is, is not an evil or a bad thing, not at all. But the question rather for us, what is the ultimate pursuit? What is the master of your life? And the truth is that for many of us, money is a serious contender for the thing of ultimate concern. Certainly, we live in a world that, that, that has a culture that elevates money, that money is the answer to our problems. It's the symbol of status. It's worthy of the pursuit of our lives. Money provides a sense of power and control. Think about that. We tend to think to ourselves, if I just had enough money, I could be the master of my fate. Because money allows us to provide for our needs and our desires. It allows us to overcome scarcity and even manipulate those around us. Money creates opportunities. It isolates us from problems. Now, listen to this. Because money provides a sense of power and control, 
it is a very appealing alternative to trusting God. That's the truth. And the truth is that happens sometimes in our hearts and our minds without us even realizing it. And this is why Jesus talked about money so much. It's not because he's after our money. He's after our hearts. And that's why he talks about money. Money has tremendous uh, potential in our lives. It can be used for great good, great joy and generosity and fueling kingdom things and provision for ourselves and those that we love. But we know money can also be a distraction. Money can be an obsession. Think about this statement of Jesus. We read it in verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because here's the truth. Money leads your heart. So if you take Jesus seriously then, and you consider your money to be a spiritual part of your life, that means it can shape your heart in beautiful ways. It really can. God is not after your money. I'll say it again. Remember, he's, the God, he's God. He already has everything. He's not after your money, but he is after your heart. And money is an effective means to get to your heart because, of course, it's a deeply personal subject. And it's something that we all daily interact with. And it evokes deep emotions in us and, and strong feelings. And that's why sometimes it can feel awkward to talk about it in church because that subject can raise tension in our lives. But let me be clear. We're not talking about this this month for the sake of fundraising. We're talking about this for the sake of our discipleship because Jesus says this is a key area in our lives. And so we're following Jesus together and studying the subject that he raised over and over. You know, of the 38 parables that we have from Jesus, 16 of them have to do with how we handle money and possessions. Jesus said more about money and possessions than almost any other subject. The Bible offers about 500 verses on prayer and about 500 verses on faith, but there are more than 2,350 verses about money and possessions. It's really clear when we study the scripture. This is a critical area of our lives. So what if, the way that, that we relate to and, and manage our money is not only a spiritual topic, but what if this very area of our lives could actually be a catalyst to help grow our relationship with Jesus? Isn't that wonderful? Our relationship with money either stunts our spiritual growth or it accelerates it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that with me. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This past week, of course, this huge snowstorm made its way across the country. We didn't get as much snow here as they did some places south of us. Did you watch the maps? Did you see how it was going? When the maps come up on the news, where do you look for? Where, this is not a trick question. 
the mitten, right? This is what we see, all right? Where is it going to hit us? And, and what about right here in our county? Where's the snow coming? Where's the band? But you know what I've noticed whenever I watch, especially these huge snowstorms that are sweeping different areas of the country, and sometimes when they hit areas of the country where it's unusual for them to find or experience a lot of snow or some of these weather events, uh, there's a couple of areas I always pay attention to. And one of them is the Oregon coast. My brother lives out in Astoria, he and his family over there. And then on the other side of the country, my sister lives in Charleston. So I'm always watching to see what's going to happen there. You know, it's funny, I think about where those maps are, and there's a whole bunch of states that I, I don't really even notice, but I notice those places, and I watch for that, because I have treasure in those places, so it catches my attention. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, we hear in the news uh, the fluctuations in the stock market. You only care if you have treasure there, Right? You only know that news if you have some treasure there. Or if you hear in the news that there's a, a data breach, right, and, and there's some data that's been stolen or at risk, you only care if you have treasure there, if your name or your information could be on that list. Where do you have treasure? The way that you relate to money, your habits and, and your perspective in this area of your life, it will shape your heart. You know, Dan and I have a practice in, in our giving. Uh, we have a reoccurring tithe to the church, and every Monday morning we see that in our bank account. I get that email reminder from our church system that it's coming out every Monday morning. You think, why, why do we do that? Is it because we believe in the mission of this church? Well, yes, of course, it's that we, we leave in the mission of this church. That's why we're here. That's why our family is here. But, you know, it's so much more than that. We're not giving every Monday morning because it's a habit to give just to a good cause that we believe in. But rather, we've discovered that this habit of regular giving, it's a foundational discipline that shapes our hearts of what it looks like for our family to follow Jesus. Because we have this perspective that we've learned together in our marriage, that, that all that we are, that all that we have, it belongs to God. And so we give that first 10% as a way of, of worship and a way of, of answering that question of who does it all belong to and what do we treasure most. And I'll tell you, it has shaped our hearts. It really has. That discipline has been so powerful for us, not just in our finances, but you know what? We want to be learning to trust God in growing ways. <laughs> and when you put your money, when you invest your money in a, in a certain way, your heart follows that behavior. It does. And it helps us learn to grow, to trust him more. It's been a powerful practice in our lives. I want to ask you today, what do you treasure? I believe, as I look at all of you sitting here today, I believe that you treasure Jesus. That's why you're here today on a Sunday morning, because he's important to you. Or maybe you're just here because you're curious and you want to see why everybody else shows up on a Sunday morning. But faith matters to you. Jesus matters to you. 
Because you know that, that your behavior, your investment of your time and energy is important. And you've learned that that shapes your heart, right? That this practice, the fact that you start your day here at church, it will shape your day today. And we hope it will shape your week. And that ongoing practice in your life, it shapes your life and how you see and experience things. See, we get to make choices with our lives about what we treasure most and what we prioritize, and those decisions shape our hearts. You know, I think about where we find ourselves today, and I know that, that we, we all have big things going on in our lives. Some of us are carrying some really hard things these days difficult struggles and, and grief and uh, uh, challenges that we're trying to navigate. I know there's also a lot of good things happening in our lives, things that matter to us, things that we're celebrating, things that we're investing our lives and energy into. Life is full of all kinds of competing demands for our attention. And Jesus is saying to us today as we read his words that no matter what we have going on in our lives right now, Jesus is inviting us to think about what comes first. If we look just a few verses later there in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And no matter what, seek God first in your life. In a renewed way, seek God first. Because when, when his presence comes first, it transforms how we see everything else in our lives. Maybe today is a day of decision for you. To consider how things are ordered in your life and in your heart. Maybe today for the very first time is a decision to put God first, to make him the Lord of your life, for him to be your savior. Or perhaps today is a, is a renewed commitment for you. Maybe today as we're talking about this, maybe you realize that there are some other things of ultimate concern that have taken that place in your life. And maybe today is a day of decision for, for you to say, you know what? The Lord will be first, and I will follow him first and seek his kingdom first. Today is an opportunity for us to settle that question, what do we treasure above all else? So today, if something is stirring in you in that subject, I want to encourage you to not just sit on that, but to take action. Have a conversation with a friend or a family member at lunch and, and begin to talk with them about what does that mean? What does that look like for you to make some decisions and some changes in your life? Or maybe after the service today, you'd like to talk and pray with me or Pastor Ben for a few minutes. We'd love to connect with you after the service today. Or maybe there's some particular ways that you want to spend some time reflecting this week, having some conversation and thinking about some decisions and habits in your life. I believe there are some important things that the Lord wants to do in our hearts. And as part of this series, we're going to be diving into this subject uh, throughout this month of February. And as we do that, I want to share with you a practical way that we have to put this into practice. 
It's a way for us as a church family to grow in our giving. It's an exercise of our hearts. And it's something that we can do together and some generosity that we can celebrate together. It's called the Big Give Challenge. And here's the challenge. We're challenging 100% of the people of Alma Church of God to give 10%, that's a tithe, 10% of one paycheck. And to do this on or before February 27th. That's the last Sunday of February. This is the big give challenge. This is a powerful way for us to to take action. Because remember, uh, money leads our hearts. It's a way for us to express our gratitude for God's blessings in our lives. It's a way for us to demonstrate trust in God's provision, for us to experience the joy of giving together and to grow in generosity, and to imagine what is possible when together we trust God. So this challenge to give 10% of one paycheck is the, the practice of a tithe. It's a biblical teaching and a regular practice for many Jesus followers. Now, for some of you, maybe this is a new idea. And so this challenge will be an opportunity to try this for the very first time and, and to experience that joy of giving. Or maybe you're someone who already gives regularly, but this would be a a step for you in growing your giving to give at this level. Or for some of you, you already tithe. And if that's you, I want you to consider what God might be inviting you to do for the Big Give Challenge. Dan and I uh, will be giving a double tithe to way to participate as others are growing in their giving. So consider what God might be asking you to do as well. And I'm praying that God's going to use this to do big things in our hearts. I think these kinds of things are really powerful for us. Not only for us as individual and families, as followers of Jesus, but also as a church family for us to grow in our giving. Now, we'll be tracking everything that comes in through the Big Give Challenge. So when you participate, be sure to mark that on your envelope or note that on that drop-down menu when you give online. And as we track all of that that comes in for the Big Give Challenge, we will give a tithe of that money uh, away uh, to another ministry. Now, I want to tell you about that. Just 54 miles down the road from us, there is this awesome kingdom ministry unfolding right now in Flint. There is a church that was planted in 2020. Yes, you heard that right. A church plant in 2020 called Good Church. And they are working on transforming their local community in the name of Jesus. That church is led by Pastor Leo Robinson. Uh, he's a friend, a powerful uh, preacher and uh, leader. In fact, a few of you met him. He was one of the speakers at the St. Louis camp meeting this past summer. One of the things that they've discovered in their local community is that a critical need that's there is access to laundry facilities. So they're underway, very close to finishing a project. They're in the home stretch. It's called Good Laundry, and this is how they describe it. The residents in the North Flint area often do not have access to a washer and dryer in their home, a condition where families must choose between paying for food and utilities or personal hygiene is called hygiene poverty. Studies show that having access to clean clothes builds a person's sense of self-worth and dignity. 
Clean clothes can mean the difference between a family's sense of agency or feelings of defeat. Good laundry will help to provide this basic need to the community. Isn't that cool? I love what they're doing right there to love their neighbors in the community. And I love that we get to be a part of that. That not only do we get to stretch our generosity as as individuals and as households, but together as a church, we'll be giving generously uh, to be a part of this mission just down the road in Flint. The truth is, I am so grateful for the generosity of this church. It blows me away all the time. And it's not just right now. It is these decades. It is a century of faithfulness. Uh, through God's people and generosity and good stewardship. And I'm so grateful that we get to be a part of that. I'm so grateful for the way that it has formed our hearts. And I believe God wants to continue to do some powerful things in and through us as we go on this journey together. So let's dive in this month. Let's see what the Lord has to say to us about this very practical area of our lives and discover how it can be a catalyst for growth as we encounter Jesus together. Will you pray with me? Oh, our gracious God, we're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Thank you, God, for the wisdom that you provide for us, not just in, uh, uh, well, for the way that you provide wisdom for every area of our lives. So God, we just bring our hearts before you today. Thank you, God, for giving us the courage to identify those places in our hearts of ultimate concern. And God, I pray for each of us today that you would give us the courage to trust you in growing ways, to follow you, and to obey. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the way that you love us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.